0: Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. So God wants to see the world saved. He's promised
1: that Israel will bring the world to him so the world can be saved. And that explains why God said that he's going to bless those that bless Israel and curse those that curse Israel because God loves to see, he wants to see the world saved. Therefore God will bless the people who will bring the world to be saved. The Jewish people, and God will curse the people who will bring the world to the Lord Jesus to be saved. That's what it all is. It's all got to do with God wanting to see the world saved. And so, therefore, we bless, we bless the Jewish people by encouraging them to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You wanna ask me, what is the reason why Scanabody's laboratory has been so blessed and we have? been so blessed by God, I would say, it's because of our efforts to encourage the Jewish people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, because God has promised to bless those that bless the Jewish people. Well, there's someone else who also knows that God has promised that the Jewish people is going, are going to bring the world to be saved. They're gonna be instrumental in getting the world saved. And that person does not want the world to be saved, and that person's Satan. And that explains why Satan hates and persecutes the Jewish people to the nth degree because Satan wants the world to not be saved. Satan wants the world to join him in hell for eternity. And so Satan knows that the Jewish people are going to bring the world to the Lord Jesus so that they'll be saved, and therefore Satan has tried down through the ages, one persecution after another, to destroy the Jewish people One holocaust after another. So what is the history of the Jewish people? The history of the Jewish people, you read these books, you know, the history of the Jews, it's just a long history of Satan's attempts, one attempt after the other, to exterminate the Jewish people. It all started with the Egyptian holocaust to systematically exterminate the Jewish people, by killing all the firstborn males when Pharaoh commanded that all the male Jewish babies need to be cast into the Nile to eliminate them. And then, of course, there would only be the beautiful Jewish women that would intermarry with the Egyptian men. And then no more Jewish people. And that was Pharaoh's curse of the Jewish people. Well, you know, God says, oh, you want to curse the Jewish people? Fine, I'll return the favor. And and God cursed Egypt with 10 plagues that resulted in the destruction of Egypt and Israel leaving, or the ex-Israel's exodus from Egypt. Such an important event, they named a the whole book after it, second book in the Bible, Exodus. It's all about Israel's exodus from Egypt. Hitler called his extermination plan the final solution. Where did that name come from? That was given to Hitler. Satan gave Hitler that name because the Jewish people are a big problem for Satan because God promised that they're they're gonna be instrumental in saving the world. And so Hitler called his plan to exterminate the Jews the final solution, a title that emerged right out of hell as Satan's final solution to the problem of Israel saving the world. And now we have Iran, Iran calling for the death of the Jewish people. And now we have the president of Turkey, Turkey, of all places, you know, quiet little turkey. But no, now we have the President Erdogan calling on all Muslims to rise up against Israel. And Satan has figured it out, that no Jewish people, no world saved. He's figured that out. So we have seen that if Israel is destroyed, then Satan wins, and the world is not saved because God promised that Israel would save the world, and Satan knows that. Satan knows that God will not break his promise. So Satan knows. No Israel, no salvation of the world. Now, this is a strategy of Satan, and it's important for us to know the strategies of Satan. God says that you need to know the strategies of Satan. He says that in 2 Corinthians 2.11, 2 Corinthians 2.11, where it says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, we know that down through the ages, as we just were talking about, down through the ages, that Satan has attempted this first strategy, which is to work through others to physically destroy Israel, Egypt, Hitler, and that has not worked, that has not worked, why? Because the Jewish people are still here. So then Satan now has come to a second strategy, a second strategy to destroy Israel, and we can see this second strategy of the devil in the history of the king of the Moabites, Balak, It's very clear here. We've seen down through the ages that Satan has attempted this first strategy to work through others to physically destroy Israel. He worked through Egypt. He worked through Hitler. You name it. He's worked through them. And and that has not worked. That has not worked. But now Satan has seen it hasn't worked. So he's come up with a second strategy, a next strategy to destroy Israel. What's this? We can see the next strategy when we look at the history of how the king of the Moabites, Balak, he's got one goal. Balak's got the same goal that Satan has. He's got one goal, destroy Israel at any cost because he sees that Israel, Balak sees that Israel is a threat to his own survival. So Balak also has a first strategy here. First, he hires Balaam. He hires Balaam. He says, he says to Balaam, doesn't matter, you can name your price, destroy Israel with a curse. With a curse. You all see that all in Numbers chapter 22, verse four. Numbers 22, four. Moab, Moab said unto the elders of Midian, now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him out, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth and they abide over against me. Come, come now, therefore, I will pray thee. Curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land, For I what that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. So Balaam agreed. He said, okay, I'll do the job. And the history of what happened here is so important that God says, I'm taking two chapters in the book of Numbers and dedicating it to this, Numbers chapter 22 and 23. It's a sad history of Balaam. The donkey of Balaam was smarter than Balaam, but Balaam finally comes to the conclusion that, whoa, God wants to bless Israel. And so he ends up blessing Israel, and and that made Balak very angry, very, very angry. That's the first strategy. That was the first strategy of the Moabites with King Balak, to try to get Balaam to curse Israel. It failed. It miserably failed. Oh, you know, it looked at that point, well, you know, you think, okay, well, you know, he tried, and and okay, now he's got to give up. But oh, no, he doesn't give up. And you think that, okay, Satan down through the ages he's tried to, to exterminate the Jews, he'd give up. Oh, no, Satan doesn't give up. But we see here the next strategy of the king of Moab, Balak, chapter 25. In chapter 25, verse one, Numbers, chapter 25, one, Numbers 25, one, Israel abode in Shittim and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, "'And they called the people unto the sacrifices "'of their gods, and the people did eat "'and bowed down to their gods. "'Israel joined himself unto Bealpeor, "'and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. "'And the Lord said unto Moses, "'Take all the heads of the people "'and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, "'that the fierce anger of the Lord "'may be turned away from Israel. "'And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, "'Slay every one his men.' that were joined unto Beeltebor, Beelpeor. Wow. Now, what was the end result of this? The end result is given in Numbers 25.9. Numbers 25.9. Those that died in the plague were 20 and Oh, what do you see from this? The second strategy of Balak, where he enlisted, this is a strategy I'm enlisting, the prettiest the most sexually enticing women he could find in Moab, and he sends them to Israel, and they, want, they go into Israel like stealth navy seals with one mission, bed those boys. And after they're him, bring them to the worship of Baal. And it works, it works. And those Jewish men, they fell like flies before the sexual allurement of those enticing Moabite women. And they are heading for their tents with pillows in hand and Israel falls into the sin of fornication. And Balak caused Israel to sin and then banked on the fact that God has to judge sin. And The end result was 24,000 Israelites killed, That dead. dead. So the strategy works, and the strategy was to get Israel to sin and then watch God judge the sin and destroy Israel. Very smart, Moab, very smart. Or really it is, very smart, Satan, very smart. Just work on getting Israel into sin and let God destroy the Jewish people. Now why did that work? Because God, he must judge sin. It says in Ezekiel 18.20, Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's true. In Deuteronomy 24, 16, Deuteronomy 24, 16. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. That's God's promise to judge sin. And that promise applies to every person, and it doesn't matter whether it's a Jewish person, because the scripture says in Acts 10:34, Acts 10:34, God is no respect of persons. And Satan knows. That the promise that God will judge sin applies to the Jewish people and that promise that God will judge sin is just as strong as the promise that God started in Genesis twelve three to bless all the families of the earth, bless the world with salvation through the Jewish people. He knows that. So Satan has figured it out. All he's gotta do is get Israel to sin and bingo, Israel Israel will have been destroyed by God because of their sin, and that's Satan's strategy. It's an effective strategy. It's an effective strategy to destroy Israel, just get them to sin with, those, with the sin of fornication, with those enticing women. And it shows us a principle here. There's a principle of how Satan now seeks to destroy Israel today. Satan has watched. Satan has sat back and he's watched. What happened to the people that went down the road to sin? So what did he see? What happened to mankind that went down the road to sin in Noah's day? In Noah's, Noah's day, in Genesis chapter six, verse five, Genesis six five, where Satan saw this, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So what was this? God saw that man on earth, all men on earth, had made their decision. They're gonna sin, they're going in that direction, Their mind will not be changed. There's no repentance. And God said, okay, that's it. I will destroy. And so Satan watched that principle play out in the world. And then he watched it also play out in a group of people. At first, God gives a certain space of time, like he does with mankind. He gives a space of time. It's called the lifetime in man. And he gives a space of time for man to repent, turn to God for a group It's called the survival time of that civilization, of that certain civilization. For an individual, it's the days of their life. And after that certain period of time has passed and man's lifetime has passed, when God has really spent the lifetime, his lifetime, encouraging that man to repent, he's chastening him, repent, repent, finally God says, okay, that's it. That's it, it's enough, there's no sign of repentance coming here, so now the judgment has gotta come, just like God said, in Hebrews 9, 27, Hebrews 9, 27. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment was true in the history of mankind with Noah's day. And Satan also sees this history play out with a whole people group called the Amorites, for example, the Amorites. So what happened? God told Abraham about the Amorites in Genesis 15, 15, and it was in the context of how much time the Jewish people, Abraham's descendants, were going to have to spend down there in Egypt. And here's what God said in Genesis 15:15, Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, we know that God ordered Israel eventually to destroy All the Amorite group of people, which they did after they came out of Egypt, they were in Egypt for 400 years. So in essence, God was saying to Abraham, not yet, Abraham, not yet, Abraham. The Amorites will not be destroyed, not yet, because I'm going to give the Amorites this space repent of 400 years, and we're going to see if maybe the Amorites, who knows, maybe they're going to be like Nineveh at the preaching of Jonah, who that did repent, they did turn to God. And God says, I hope so. But God called what this ongoing sin was of the Amorites is like a cup of the Amorites that was filling up, filling up, more sin, more sin, more sin, filling up, filling up, filling up. And God sees when it reaches the brim of the cup and the cup reaches to the top, then God says, okay, that's judgment, that's it. And the fact that sin will be judged after a period of time for man to repent, that's true. The fact that sin will be judged for a whole mankind after a period of time, Noah's day, that's true. The fact that this is true of a people group is true, as in the Amorites, and it's also true with regard to cities. Cities, as in the case of the two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's so interesting When you look at this history in Genesis 18.20, in Genesis 18.20, because this was happening here in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, where it says in Genesis 18.20, the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now, God says, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And so then what happened is that eventually it says in Genesis 19, 24, Genesis nineteen twenty four, the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. God judges sin. He's not neutral on sin. God eventually judges sin, and there was nothing left of Sodom and Gomorrah. So this effective strategy that Satan has been banking on is the fact that God destroys people who sin, and so if he gets Israel to sin, that's what he wants to do, because then he could see Israel be destroyed by God. And this is where the first chapter of the book of Isaiah sets out the whole course for the book of Isaiah. But in the first chapter of the book of Isaiah, it's so critical to see just how threatened Israel is with destruction. And that's this critical chapter one of Isaiah, where we're given the reason here for Israel, the threat for their survival, and something else interesting too. But first we start off with God's description in the very, very beginning there, Isaiah chapter one, verse two. Isaiah chapter one, verse two. It's so dramatic that God calls all the heavens to listen when he says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, is Isaiah one, two. For the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Now here God is really laying it out in verse 4, Isaiah 1, 4. Oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You'll revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Description here is the greatest threat that Israel has for their survival. This is the threat of Israel's destruction is when God looks at them and says, sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, not just evildoers, but a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They're not just corrupted, they are corruptors. As far as that space to repent when God was looking for any people, for, the, the, for was looking for any hope that Israel will repent and respond to God's chastening. God says, like a conclusion, in Isaiah one four that we read. They said God looks. This says they've forsaken the Lord. They provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They're going backwards. And He asked the question, Why should I? Why should I chasten you anymore? Why should I bother anymore? Why should I, Ye be stricken anymore? You revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole head is fart. Now, this is the most serious state for Israel when he's essentially saying, God is essentially saying, no hope of repentance. Now, when that happens, Satan is just overjoyed, and he's saying, yes, God, yes, pull the lever of the judgment. Destroy Israel. You promised that you would judge sin. Destroy Israel, and that way the world would not be saved. So... And what God said in Isaiah chapter one, Israel would have been totally destroyed and it would have been all over curtains for the Jewish people. But then, but then, what is this? In the same chapter, another voice speaks. All of a sudden, it's not God speaking here, but it's another voice starts to speak. Who is it? It's Israel herself. And she's speaking in verse 9, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9. In Isaiah 1, 9, Israel speaks, and Israel says, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and Gomorrah. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. This is Israel speaking. This is Israel speaking, and Israel says, we're not destroyed because of a very small remnant, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. This is a principle here, very important principle in the Bible. This is the principle of a very small remnant saving the very large group that they're a part of and it all comes out from arguments that Abraham was making with God for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah when God came to destroy them where it says in Genesis 18:23 Genesis 18:23 Abraham drew near and said to God said wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked Peradventure there be 50 within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham was right on. And God responded to that argument in the next verse, which is Genesis 18, 26, Genesis eighteen twenty six, And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 within the city. Then I will spare all the place for their sakes.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051 Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, A total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing.